Well, I'm wondering if uh, how many of you would admit to being a control freak? Okay. Wow, those hands went up quick. Actually, quicker than I expected. And I see some people trying to raise their partner's, their, their husband, wife's hand. Um, today, I'm going to ask you, though, to do something, and I know this could be difficult for some. I was talking to the prayer team before church about what we were going to preach about today, and they said, oh, good, I like getting beat up. And I said, well, that's not what I had in mind necessarily, but I do think it'd be good if, if we could do a little less elbowing, perhaps. And you know how that is where you hear something and you think, man, I wish so-and-so was here, or, uh, uh, or man, I hope, you know, she's listening, you know? And I know there's times like that, and uh, that may be appropriate at times, but today, I, let's just talk for a few minutes. I know that some of us uh, like, like to control things, and a lot of that comes down to attitude. Anybody here have attitude from time to time? Anybody ever been accused of that? <laughs> Charlotte, really? I would have never guessed that. Her hand went up like right away. I would have never thought that. Well, you, you hide it well. Well, I think a lot of that comes down to control because we want control, but there's so many things in life we cannot control. I've been watching the weather all week thinking about the picnic. I love picnic. I love, time. I love hanging out with everybody, and, and I want to see people playing volleyball and being outside, and, and um, I know we can't control it. I did pray about it. I mean, I did pray, God, it'd be great. Wouldn't it be great? Like I'm talking him into the you know, the picnic, like it's that big a deal, but, but it is, but we can't control that, you know, and, and somebody said, well, Danny, I think said, wait, wait an hour, it's Missouri, it'll change, and that's true, that's true. I mean, there's other things you can't control. I mean, I, I know there's been times where, and it seems like it's always when I'm in a hurry that the traffic backs up, and you think, man, I could have gone a different way, now I'm stuck, I can't get off the highway, but you can't control that. You can't control, uh, have you noticed the price of eggs, like double? You can't control the economy. I mean, we do our little part, and we might vote a certain way, but ultimately, that's out of your control. And you can be frustrated about it, and it can drive you nuts, but the truth is, it's out of your control. Some things are out of your control, like even uh, diagnoses at times. You know, I know there's times where certain diagnoses or medical conditions are in your control, but then there's other times, I know, I think it's two, I I know two guys, one in our church, and then another uh, youth pastor, both had ended up with throat like cancer right on the back of their tongue neither one ever smoked chewed nothing and you think how did it happen the doctor said we don't know sometimes it just happens and we want to feel like we can control everything we want to feel like if if there's something we can do about it that that maybe it can happen but there is something you can always control and and this is where we're going to talk about today and it might be hard for you to grasp or to to accept but there are things you can control and that's your attitude your attitude, how it affects you and how you respond. It's, it's been said that you can't always control what happens to you, but you can always control what happens in you. I mean, there are certain things that come from the outside that, that might affect everybody a certain way, but you don't have to buy into that. You can choose how it affects you. It's not the same. It's your response and it's yours. Your response is yours. It's almost like... Um, I asked this a few day, weeks ago. Anybody here gardeners? Is it, there's only like eight of us in the whole room? Well, the, when I lived in Southern California, I remember one time there's this plant that started growing in my garden. And I let it grow because it was kind of beautiful. The leaves were really glossy and pretty. And then it had these really cool looking little berries. Then I found out later it was a Thai pepper. They're round little red berries. So hot. Just one would, would overdo like an entire bowl of salsa. 
But the birds brought it. I didn't grow it. I mean, I didn't. I feel sorry for the birds, actually, if you think about how they brought it. That might have been painful. But, but <clears throat> kind of like your life, though, you don't have to let that grow in you. I didn't have to let it grow. I could have pulled it out. It's my garden. But I did. I let that grow. Other things I haven't let grow that I see pop up. But you can choose it. It's kind of like this. This is another silly example. But and you could be a thermostat or a thermometer. So what does a thermometer do? It just tells you what the temperature of the room is, right? You walk into the room and that sets your mood. If everybody's crabby, you're going to be crabby back. If everybody's happy, you're happy. On the other hand, you could be the thermostat and you could maintain the temperature of your own life, regardless of what the room is, and you could hopefully influence and affect everybody. But again, it's a choice. It all comes down to a choice. I know a lot of you probably know who Chuck Swindoll is. He said, he said, it may shock you, but the most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day basis is the choice of my attitude. It's more important than my past, my bank balance, my education, my successes or failures, my pain or gain, what others think of me or say about me. My attitude keeps me going or cripples my progress. It alone uh, lights my fire or assaults my hope. When my attitude is right, there's no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. But my, when my attitude is not right, nothing can go right. No, everything's too high and everything's too deep and everything's too extreme. You ever heard this before, that, that, um, that <laughs> attitude controls your altitude? Kind of corny, but might stick with you. Some people, when they wake up in the morning, you know, they wake up, I mean, and and I know that's not for everybody. It may take you a couple cups of coffee to say this. But some people wake up and they say, good morning, Lord. You know anybody like that? They're usually irritating to everybody else in the house, I know. But that's a whole other thing, though, than somebody who wakes up and says, good Lord, it's morning. And who would you rather be around? I mean, really, ultimately, you want to be around people who, who are happy and make you, uh, make you happy as well. Now, this may sound like we're talking psychology today. What I've, what I've loved about getting to know more and more about Scripture is how often science, psychology catches up to Scripture is what happens. Because it's been in Scripture the whole time. And it's not about positive mental attitude. It's about really biblical truth. And whether or not you're going to be, be, whether you're going to choose what your attitude is and determine your, your life, or it's going to be the other way around. I want to take us today to a, a great portion of Scripture. And this is where um, the uh, Israelites are getting ready to go into the promised land. This is the first time. And as they get ready to go in, the Lord says to Moses, he says, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. And as he does this, you know, they pick somebody to lead them. And those 12 spies, they go into the land. And when they're in the land, they go in there for 40 days and they come back to give a report. So here's the report they give back to Moses and the people of Israel. It says, we entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. They brought back all these grapes and all this stuff. But here's where it changes. The people living in there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. They had fear, different attitudes. All these people were there. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He said, 
Let's go at once and take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who explored the land with him, they disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. Now, you might, you might ask, was that just a, a, true, like a, a true measure of what was going on? Or was it attitude? But here's what God says about Caleb. My servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I'll bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. See, there's a lot of times in life where you look at a situation and you may have a certain opinion of how it's going to be. And you may think that your opinion is completely justified and very measured and very accurate. But the difference between Caleb, see, Caleb saw the same giants. He saw the same land. He saw the same fortified cities. He saw all the people. But his attitude, God calls it an attitude, was totally different. His attitude wasn't just about the facts he saw. His attitude had more to do with what else was going on in his mind. His attitude had to do with who he served. He saw the same things. Here's what's sad, too, is the other ten spies didn't get to go in the land. Just he and Joshua got to go in. So I want to ask you today, how's your attitude? Now, we're not spying out a land, but we kind of are. We do have a big land to spy out. It's, it's Lee Summit and Blue Springs and Independence. And there's a lot of people as we stand up on this hill. And I do this, I do this every week, multiple times in a week. And I look at out the houses and I see all those houses. And I wonder how many souls are represented there who don't go to church anywhere, who don't know Christ at all, who are struggling with the same things that you and I struggle with, but they don't have anybody to help them with. That's a big, 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 tall order, isn't it? But the attitude is what changes it around. You might be saying, like these 10 spies, oh, they will never listen to us. Those people have their own things going on. They, they know they've had a choice and they've rejected it and I'm not good enough and I can't tell them and I don't know what I would say. And there's a lot of things you might say about that, but I hopefully, hopefully today, you will start to change your attitude and realize it's not just about what you can do, it's about what God can do in you. And with that attitude, nothing is too big, nothing is too challenging. So I'm going to ask you this, because what, what I'm really trying to do today is change your opinion, change your attitude. And that can't happen just by me telling you what to do. It's kind of like kids. You can't just tell them all the time what to do, and they do it. It's kind of like, um, you maybe have heard this before, how many, how many people does it take to change a light bulb? You, you know, heard all those jokes? Do you know how many psychologists it takes to change a light bulb? Well, it depends. Does the light bulb want to be changed? So my question to you today is, do you want to be changed? Do you want to be? Because um, as we go about this, I want to ask you these four questions. Or you ask yourself, am I open and willing to hear what God has to say about attitudes? Am I teachable? Are you teachable? That might sound like a silly question to you. But my question, I mean, it really is a good question to ask in church. Are you, do you really want to hear this? It's almost like when you go up to somebody and you just try to tell them whatever, usually they're like, hey, I don't know who you are. Why are you talking to me like this? But if you walk up to them and say, hey, can I tell you something? Then they say, yes. Then you get to tell them something. So I'm asking you, would you open your heart and mind to this today? Are you teachable? Do you want to let the the scripture and the word of the Lord speak into something today? Because he can do a change in you, but he's not going to do it against your will. And if you don't want to be changed, sadly, he's probably not going to change you. Here's my second question for you to ask yourself. Am I willing to examine and focus on my attitude and not someone else's? 
Now, a lot of times we do talk in the third person about things like this because it makes it a little more comfortable. But today we might as well just get, get right to it and talk about you. Here's a third question. Am I willing to admit and abandon my bad attitudes? You guys know anybody who's really comfortable with a bad attitude? <laughs> they almost like that. It's almost like their reputation is having a bad attitude and they like that. I know some people like that. I'm related to people like that. Not my house, other people. Uh, fourth question. Am I willing with God's help and grace to construct good attitudes? It's one thing to tell you you got a bad attitude. It's another thing to show you how you could have a good one. I never want to just say, hey, this is what's wrong without telling you how to do what's right. So let's, well, let me just ask, are you guys willing for that? Okay, a few of us, good. Well, for the rest of you, all right. I believe that this today can free you and change what's going on in your world. I believe it. So many of you responded to, to the, the, message, the, the prophecy today saying you want a God to work in your life. He was working here at the altar and he will continue to work. And then what we're going to do today will work in your heart and life as you apply it to who you are. It will make some difference. So let's talk. What is an attitude? An attitude could be defined as a pattern of thinking that we form over time. It's a pattern of thinking that we form over time. And everybody has this, usually starts in childhood. It's, it's funny, I know um, my great-grandmother, uh, I remember at the house one time, I was, I, we had gotten something that had some tinfoil on it, and I was wadding it up to throw it away. She said, what, wait, what are you doing? I said, I'm throwing this foil away. She said, we don't throw foil away. She took it, she spread it out really neatly on the counter, and then she took the wash rag and washed it off and dried it. And then she opened a drawer where she had all these sheets of tinfoil she had been saving. She grew up in the Depression. During the Depression, they didn't have a lot of the excess like that. So she developed all of these patterns and an attitude about saving things and making things last and patches on clothes and things that later generations don't anything about. You know what's interesting about that generation? A lot of them would, would pass away and have a real simple house, modest house, and have huge bank accounts. Because the pattern they developed at the time that they were, they were coming of age made them want to save, and that became the attitude that they approached everything in. And then later generations who grew up with the benefit of all that can't save a penny. So sometimes you, the attitudes that you develop come from you know, what's going on around you. And of course, there's temperament involved and genetics, and your personality. Psalm 139 clearly says that God makes us with our innermost parts, and he, he knits you together in your mother's womb, and you're, you're wonderfully complex. And we all know, if anybody, how many of you have multiple children? They, come, they just come out of the womb with different personalities. I mean, you've probably seen some kids come out cranky, and some kids come out happy. And, and um, I didn't ask Grace if I could tell this, but when she was born... She came out with her hands wide open like this and her eyes just looking around. That's just her. The whole time she was, she was in the womb, she was kicking and pushing. Nicole would push like her foot down and boom, it would push right back out. That's, that's her personality. And when she was just an infant, you know how you wrap them up like a little burrito? She would just fight that. And I mean, she's a tiny little thing. And she said, no way, I'm not going to be confined. She hated being put in the car seat. I mean, that's a personality. But that's a little different than what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I mean, that's, that's your temperament that you're born with, but you develop the attitudes along with it as you grow older. It's kind of that nature versus nurture kind of talk. 
Parents, have you ever kind of cringed a little when you watched, saw your kids kind of walk around with your attitude? Maybe they, maybe they say something with an attitude that you've said to them and you think, oh my gosh, I didn't intend for them to say that. But it happens because they pick it up and they start picking that stuff up from us and then, then they start picking up stuff from school. Remember how that is? I read this quote, and it really made me think through my friend list. It said, you and I are the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. Go ahead, do the math real quick. You'll have to. Who is that? Who is that who's influencing you? I remember coming home from sixth grade one day. I walked in the door. I don't even know what I said, but then my mom said, oh, hi, Curtis. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? She goes, oh, I don't know, Curtis. What do you think I'm talking about, Curtis. And she just kept doing that. And it kept making me more and more frustrated. And why are you calling me Curtis? She goes, well, I'm going to call you Curtis till you start acting like Dennis again. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't realize. I said, well, what are you talking about? She goes, well, the way you're talking, the way you're acting, the way you kind of flip your head is just like him. And I, I would like to see my son back in my house. I was being influenced. Didn't even know it. And that happens to us all the time. And those, those things we pick up and we don't even realize what's going on. Attitudes are contagious. Back in Numbers 14, when those spies brought back that report, that bad report, the bad attitude, the Bible says that the people of Israel cried all night because of the bad report. Then they said, we want to go back to our old home. You know what that meant? We want to go back to slavery. Freedom was too costly, they said. Those experiences, circumstances, and expectations can sometimes affect our attitude. There's been a lot of studies. How many are sports fanatics? Now, I love sports, but I'm not a fanatic, I wouldn't say. I know Mike, Mike Hutchison right here, he's, he's got an amazing mind for sports. I mean, you talk to him about sports, he knows stats, he knows players going back a long ways. I mean, and some of you are like that, where you've just got that mind for it. Well, they've done studies on things like winning streaks, did you know that the attitude of a winning streak has more to do with, with the attitude than it does even the aptitude? There's other studies that have been done like that. There's a one, one major um, insurance company. They, what they did is they had this huge aver- or interviewing pool of people. And the first thing they did is they, they hired all the people. They, did them, they gave them an aptitude test, and they hired all the people who were the smartest people. And then they started putting them to work. Then with the people they had left, so the not as smart people, they gave them test. So they had a group separated out that had positive attitudes and a group with negative attitudes. Then they hired all the positive attitude people. Then they put them up against the aptitude people. Guess who sold more? The positive attitude people. Why is that? Because it's contagious. It works. It gives you motivation in spite of what you're looking at. In spite of what's going around, going on around you, you are motivated because that's how it works. Something else you need to know about attitude is that uh, 90% of what you think today is what you thought yesterday. That's scary a little bit, isn't it? As they tr- test people, they find out that we, we repeat our thoughts. Our thoughts fall into patterns. But here's good news. You can affix the patterns. You could change the patterns that your mind's thinking in, and because of that, change everything. You don't have to be a victim of these patterns. You can actually control it. I love that God made us different than the animals because we actually have common sense and we can change things around. Here's something else to think about. 
Our attitudes are often predictors of future experiences and enjoyment. As you probably guessed, later on, after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Joshua gets ready to get his portion of the land. So at this point, Moses has already passed away. Joshua, uh, Caleb's friend, is passing out the land. So he goes up to Joshua and he says this. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions, my attitude. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt melt in fear. However, I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. My attitude was completely after him. You know what that says? That he was going to achieve no matter what. And then what he said next is, I want that land with those giants. That's what I want. Attitudes often are more important even than facts. And you can practice them and you can change all of that. (laughs) Here's something. I I heard this story. I love it. 90-year-old lady, her, her husband had passed away, got to the point where she realized with finances and everything, she needed to move into an assisted care facility. And before she even got there, she decided, I'm going to love this place. But as often happens, you know, you're reducing in size. It's not your stuff. It can be frustrating. So a lot of times as, as the people are showing you the, the new apartment, they try to make it better than it is. So the lady giving her the tour said, as she's walking her down, down the hallway, she goes, oh, you're going to love this place. The window treatments are amazing. The paint is beautiful. It's brand new. You'll love everything about it. And she said, oh, I know. She goes, what do you mean you know? She goes, well, the arrangements and all that you have in there, I'm sure they're wonderful, but I decided even before I showed up, I was going to love it because the arrangement in my mind is more important than the arrangement in that room. The same is true for you. The arrangement in your mind is always going to be more important than whatever room you walk into. None of that's going to matter. The fact is, when Caleb walked into the promised land, the arrangement in his mind had already decided he was going to love it. Because God had given it to him. And that's what he kept saying over and over. The land is ours. It's ours. No matter what he saw, he knew he was going to love it before he even saw it. Since attitude is about a a pattern of thinking that we develop over time, the great thing about it is you can change that pattern. You can change it. You can choose the life practices that that go into making your life, your, your attitude predicts your enjoyment. Everything about it, you can choose ahead of time. You know, they say they've measured people's uh, baseline happiness, and everybody has a different baseline happiness built on a lot of things. You know, some people need the temperature right. Some people need a certain amount of money. Whatever it is, everybody has a baseline happiness. But then what they do is that they'll introduce something new into their life. It can be anything. New car, new clothes, new whatever. They say everybody's baseline will go up like 10%. Happiness. The problem is that doesn't last. And then everybody ends up reverting back to their baseline of happiness. So the key is for us to to find a way to raise the baseline because that's what determines all of our enjoyment and everything else that goes on. Since these patterns are habitual and all of that, no matter what, you guys can change it. I love that. You're, you're wired with a temperament, but you learn your attitudes that go along with it. Now, I, I grew up in San Diego and a um, lot of different races. And so you would hear this from time to time. You'd hear about Latin passion, and then you might hear about Irish tempers, and 
You guys heard those things before? The thing about that is, is a lot of times those are just give people excuses, don't they? Like they're victims of whatever their genetics are and they can't help it. And that's true to just a very little point. Because the truth is we could control everything that goes on in our heart and mind. Nobody puts those things on us. The good news is if you've practiced certain attitudes, you can now practice good attitudes. You can change it all around. And again, this has nothing to do with psychology, but what it does have to do is Philippians. They kind of spell the same. Look at what Philippians says. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Do you realize that's almost a command? He is telling you, always be full of joy. Wow. Let, us, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Do you see what he said right there? Keep putting into practice. Keep putting into practice. Keep putting into practice. You can actually put into practice a good attitude. But for that to work, you kind of have to own your old attitude. You have to be honest about the way it was to make it any different. So you can't blame it on your, on your gender. You can't blame it on your heritage. You can't blame it on situations or things that have come up or anything around. You can never say, oh, you make me so angry, mad, whatever. Because you control that. The truth is, if we do what what Paul said in Philippians, what that means is that we take whatever attitude we have, we turn it over to the Lord, we pray and we say, God, these are the things that are crushing in on me and I need it to be different. And then he gives you a peace that doesn't even make sense. And then he says, instead of thinking about those things that are making your attitude all twisted up and angry, you turn around and you intentionally think about good things. You practice that. That, that could be difficult. That's kind of hard work, but you can't change an attitude unless you admit it. And then once you admit it, James McDonald said, by admitting we made the choice, we put ourselves in the position to make a different choice the next time. Up until then, we kind of become victims of choices and patterns that we have in our life, but you don't have to live like that. You just don't have to. Because an attitude is a pattern of thinking that you formed over time, and it's a predictor about how much you're going to enjoy or how much you're going to, uh, what you're going to experience in the future, the good news is you can change all of that. So what are you saying, Pastor Dennis? If I'm a pessimist and I'm not living like Christ? And you might tell me, Pastor Dennis, look, I'm a realist. I see how the world, how it really is, and you, you're just living a pipe dream. Here's the thing. The reason it works is because we serve a God that has bigger plans than you could ever imagine. The reason it works is because we serve a God who speaks to us before, right in the middle of service and says, I know who you are and I know what you're struggling and I have the answer for you right now. The reason it works is because faith is the essence of things unseen. 
Because feelings lie to you, because the Bible is full of admonitions of a promise of a good future for you. And you may, your mindset might be, oh, these things are horrible and horrible and horrible, but it doesn't have to stay that way. You can actually change the way you think about that. The tr- reason it's true is because the God of peace will give you a different mindset and he will guard your heart and your mind. Most of the time, we let our heart and mind go wild. But he says, I will guard it. And then you have to do your part and you have to think about these good things, whatever those good things are. <clears throat> Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That, that part about mind stayed on you, that's you practicing keeping your attitude where it should be. That was in the New King James verse, and listen to it in the NIV. It says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. In the New Living Translation, it says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. My favorite, though, and I don't do this very often, but I'm going to read the Amplified Version. It says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you and leans on you and confidently hopes in you. That means you have to practice that. So let's do this for a minute. If I could have the worship team for just a minute, and I could have you shut your eyes for a second. I ask you kind of in the beginning, I ask you, are you willing to change some of the ways you've been thinking? And you might have thought, Oh, well, maybe. Let's see what he has to say. (laughs) That's fair. But that's an attitude. The thing is, attitude shapes everything. Attitude is, is the thing that says, I can or I can't before you even start. And the sad thing is, it's probably true either way. But you can. And you can affect the difference. But one of the great things about serving this God is, He doesn't ever make us do any of this on our own. Maybe you've been sitting here and thinking, I've been thinking this way for a long time. It's going to take a long time to change. That's all right, because God's got all the time in the world. And that's all right, because he wants to help you make those changes. What we're going to do for the next couple minutes as the worship team comes is, is I'm just going to ask you a couple questions, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to start a change. I'm going to give you an opportunity to open your mind to God and allow him to help you start to make a change. Now, this change isn't going to be something that's going to happen overnight. It's probably not going to happen in the next 10 minutes. What it's going to happen in, though, in the next 10 minutes is you're going to start. And you're going to start to give him some things and let him start to work in you. That, that he, You're going to start to be the Caleb type of personality that trusts him to make what's going on in your life better because that's what he wants to do. He wants to make that mind change and that heart change in you because those are patterns and those patterns you can change right now. So with your eyes closed for just a second, I'm going to ask a simple question first. I am wondering again, are you willing for God to make a change in you? If you're willing, just raise your hand real quick. Thank you for that. That's really for you and God, not for me. Because any change that really matters is really going to happen between you and him. And it doesn't really matter whether I see a hand or not. This next question gets a little more personal. And again, this is for you and God. I'm just going to ask, as we've been talking today, were there some attitudes that that maybe the Holy Spirit revealed to you or you thought of that you need to change? Anybody like that? Raise your hand real quick. Okay. 
Thank you for that honesty. Let's do this then. As a group, here's what I'd like us to do. I want us to pray together, and I'm going to lead us in prayer, and I'm not asking you to repeat after me. What I'm asking is for you to genuinely pray along with me in your own words, whatever it means for you to pray this, but for you to pray to ask God to make these changes in you because he wants to do it, and he wants you to have the attitude that means that, that good things can happen and that you can see good things happen in your life. So let's do this real quick. Let's just pray to him. God, as we open our hearts and minds to you, we want to change. I know that I've had patterns of thinking for a long time that need changed, and I give those.